Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Sylvia F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, April 4th, 2017. We are reading from the big book on page uh, 22. We are at the second paragraph that starts with, why does he behave like this? And we will read for three paragraphs. Today's readers are Beatrice C. on the 12 Steps, Sherry K.B. on the 12 Traditions, John K. reading the passage, Camille G., and Karen T. And our newcomer greeter is Melanie C. The reference numbers for yesterday, uh, Monday, April 3rd, 10 a.m., is 9792. And this morning's meeting is 7 o'clock East Coast. The reference number is 9794-9794. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain through compulsive, from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Beatrice C. to read the 12 steps. Beatrice, start one. Hi, this is Beatrice from California, compulsive overeater. May I be heard? Yes, you may. Okay, thank you. The 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. 
Thank you, Beatrice. I will now ask Sherry KB to read the 12 traditions. Sherry. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Sylvia. Thank you for your service. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, grateful recovery compulsive reader. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinions on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And that's that I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be, should be muted. And um, if you're going over, I will give you a gentle uh, time so that you'll know to end your sharing. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 22, the second paragraph. And it starts with, why does he behave like that? And I will ask John Kay to begin reading, John. Good morning, I'm John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Los Angeles. Why does he behave like this? If hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means in another debacle with all its intended suffering and humiliation, why is it he takes that one drink? Why can't he stay on the water wagon? What has become of the common sense and power that he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters? Perhaps there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why the alcoholic reacts differently from normal people. We are not sure why. Once a certain 
point is reached, little can be done for him. We cannot answer the riddle. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. We are equally positive that once he takes any alcohol, whatever, into his system, something happens both in, in the bodily and mental state, which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop. The experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. Wow, it's uh, uh, an interesting uh, section here. Uh, still John, still composed Peter. Um, you know, to me, this is the beginning of trying to explain the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. You know, why is it that uh, you can go for a long, long time and never uh, have a desire to pick up alcohol, yet at once you do, how it's uh, totally impossible sometimes to stop. And, you know, uh, this there is uh, obviously the parallel with the food for us. Uh, yet, in this case, I mean, the wonderful thing I, I like to always share is the what we're going to understand about the disease of compulsive overeating is still in its infancy. Uh, you know, when this book was written, um, some of what he says here, um, we don't know, understand why, when that certain point is reached, little can be done. Well, you know, scientists have actually found that there was, there is an enzyme in the human body called alcohol dehydrogenase, which disappears if you, through long, hard use of alcohol, which then makes the body uh, almost incapable of metabolizing alcohol. So the, in the case of alcohol, there's an actual physical thing that's found. They're still fighting some of that with, with food. And I can only tell you, for me, there are certain foods. You know, a lot of us believe in that red light, yellow light, green light food thing. I've got some red light food. Once I start eating them, um, uh, it becomes very, very hard for me to not continue, you know. And uh, the... Um, Sort of the you know the evil thing about uh, food is that not all of the foods that I'm I have to have on my red light list are foods that absolutely the minute I eat them I want to go off. But they're the ones that whisper to me. I call I joke that if I have it in the in the cupboard or in the refrigerator, as I walk by, it's going John, come on, come in here. And uh, there are certain foods I I can eat, but I got I can't have them in the house because uh, they become a problem. But there's other ones that are the cunning, baffling, powerful part of this disease is that it will give the illusion that I can control them, you know, just like the illusion we had that we could stop in general. And and some of those foods are are a slow slide kind of thing where I know I have to I have to stay away from them because maybe I can eat one today and one and next month. But then if I have that one next month, it'll be two weeks until the next one, and then one week, et cetera. And that's why, you know, eternal vigilance is so important. You know, and back on the previous page, you talked about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, which, you know, many people see as an allegory about alcoholism and addiction. And, and I know for me, there was certainly, once I start getting into the food, there is, uh, we can be having a wonderful conversation at dinner, but I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat. Or if I finish dinner, I'm thinking about when, you know, back when I was, I was eating, when I was going to go out and do some more. And, um, you know, today I don't want to eat, uh, but I need to work the steps so that I don't want to want to eat. And that's why continuing work, you know, uh, is the important thing. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John Kay. We're now going to open it up for sharing, and I'm going to start uh, generating a list, page 22. We started with the second paragraph and went for three paragraphs. Who would like to share? 
Camille G. Carol K. Gina R. Carol K. Karen T. That was Carol K. Yes, Carol K. Got you, Carol K. And so I've got Camille G. I've got Charles. I've got Gina. I've got Carol K. I've got Karen T. When I wasn't responding, I was trying to write fast enough. <laughs> I could take one more. Anybody else here? Reggie O. Reggie O. Okay, we got a good group to start. Camille G, Charles, Gina, Carol K, Karen T, and Reggie. And if you're not sharing right now, could you please um, mute because the, la- the line is very loud right now. Camille, go ahead, followed by Charles. Good, mor- good morning. This is Camille G in Reno, Nevada. Can go you ahead. hear me okay? Yes, I can, Camille. Okay, thank you. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. Whenever I read that sentence, um, I need for me to keep in mind that it's more than keep, keeping away from my, um, my binge foods or my foods that give me the effect. For me, it's keeping away from volume with food because volume is as much a reactor for me as what people refer to as their red light foods or I refer to them as foods that give me the effect that I'm looking for to solve, to solve whatever problem or non-problem is arising in my day. So I just wanted to point that, that one sentence out for myself and for others. Thank you. Thank you, Camille G. Charles. Good morning. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you, know, uh, you know, the text tells me that the big book is, it has four things, but, you know, in, in taking a step back and getting a, a, a different perspective, it, it, it has five things. It has a lot of questions. Why, and, you know, through humility and through um, the lack of having to be validated, I found out that I, I don't know. Because even in the text, it says, it says after all those questions, it says we cannot solve the riddle, right? So, like, you, I can go to a bunch of meetings and, you know, um, get a perspective. If, if there's 100 people in the room, I may get 100 different perspectives. I may get 100 different answers. But the text itself says we cannot solve the riddle. I don't know why. And it doesn't matter why. You know, to me, why is a crooked letter? No, I got this thing. If I spot it, I got it. Let me treat this thing on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, you know, the big book has some great questions. If one, if one drink makes him react like that, why did you take it? I don't know. And that, that's not important. Even if, even if I was to have... Yeah, New York is loud, man. Even if I was to have a um, an answer that seems logical or makes sense, that ain't that in two seventy five will get me on a bus. So that don't mean anything, you know. It's I got this thing. I'm crooked um, because I got it. I'm not bad. I'm just crooked. Let me treat it. Why am I continuing? You know, I love Doctor Bob, man. In his nightmare, I'm glad he called it a nightmare because it's a nightmare when I keep questioning. I keep questioning, and I stay far away from the solution. But once I stop questioning and read the text and see that I cannot fully solve this riddle, I spot it, I got it, let me treat it. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Charles. Gina, followed by Carol Kay. Gina. Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your service. This is Gina R., uh, recovered in Colorado. Um, 
yes, why does he behave like this? And then just what was shared by Charles, um, the riddle. What's happened for me in working these steps is I have realized that a lot of my maturation, emotional development, psychological development, et cetera, spiritual development, was halted or stunted um, at a very early age. And when I find myself um, stomping my feet, sometimes literally, but usually metaphorically, and saying, I want what I want when I want it, and why can't I have it, I really am acting like a two- or three-year-old having a tantrum. And what my higher power and my guides and my fellows are helping me to understand is, for me, that really is the answer for that particular question. Why do I keep asking the question why? It's because I stopped developing um, when at that age. And so now what I have an opportunity to do, and Sylvia, I forgot to turn my timer on. I'm hoping you're timing me. Um, is yes, I am. to um, see where that emotional development stopped and how that correlates to who and what I am today as it relates to connecting with my higher power. So when I'm in that kind of terrible two or terrible three mindset, um, I'm, I've got the attitude of, you know, well, they're going to reject me. I'll show them. I'm kind of a, a blaming um, attitude. And then it, it kind of progresses into being bossy. Like, I, I don't even want to know what the answer is. I just want to gripe about it. Um, but as I continue to mature and have my higher power reveal things to me, and as I yield, not only the food, but my, my thoughts, my emotions, my attitudes, my actions to my higher power, I am getting to a place where I can recognize, all right, I'm having a tantrum. I need to do something about it. And I have the options now. And I have the ability to reach out. And I do that. And when I do that, then I can get to the feelings, instead of being worthless and defective, I'm connected, I'm happy, I'm capable, I'm loved, I'm protected. I'm safe, I'm confident, I have trust, I'm being guided, I'm positive, I'm hopeful. It's okay that I made a mistake. I'm going to learn from it. I can accept this and I can trust. The anger, the pride, the, the victim ego, all of that just starts melting away, and I am in that safe place. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Gina. Carol Kay, followed by Carol, Karen T. Carol? Hi, this is Carol Kay, recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. Um, you know, it says we are equally positive. That word positive, you know, it, it hit me. Um, equally positive that once he takes any alcohol into his system, something happens both in the body and mental sense, which makes it virtually impossible. That's another word that stuck out. Virtually impossible to stop. And that just brings it back and reminds me of when I was in the food. Um, how I, I would just be, it would just come out of nowhere, and I'd be like, I want Oreo cookies. I mean, I'd be cleaning or something. I'd be doing something, just anything. 
and it would just, the mental obsession would start. I want Oreos. And, and once it started, you know, I didn't have this program. You know, at that time I was doing diets. I had to have it. I had to have it. And it was, it, was, it was nothing I could do. It was just like pounding into my brain. And it was like somebody was screaming it in my ear. And I'd say to myself, you know, I'd ask my son to go to the store, go get me my cookies, you know, get four packs to cook, whatever, my Oreo. He'd bring them home. I'd say, all right, three for you guys. I'll keep this one. And i tell myself right then and there, I'm going to eat just one row. That's it for today. I'm just going to eat a row. And it just never happened. I had I ate all three because now once I took that first bite, I had no control. I I just zoomed through it, and then I wanted more. I wanted the kids. I, I would I would just plow through everything. I have no control, and you know what? I don't know if I was born this way. I don't know if this happened when I was five years. I don't know if this happened due to trauma. And you know what? To me, for me, it doesn't matter how this happened, how I became a compulsive overeater, or if I was born this way, it really don't matter. What does matter is today, I know I am one. I have this program. I have this fellowship. And for that, I am so grateful. I'm just so grateful for this program, for these steps, for this book, and for everybody on this line. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Carol Kay. Karen T. Hello, this is Karen T. Can I be heard? Yes. Great. Thank you so much, Sylvia, for your service. This is Karen T., Recovered Compulsive Reader in New Orleans. Um, the first paragraph has all those questions. And the why doesn't matter. The main thing is that I have to understand for me that common sense and willpower will not keep me away from the first bite because of the strange mental blank spots. So I have to be, so being vigilant does not help. You know, I can remind myself 16 times every day, okay, one drink means another debacle. One drink means another catastrophe with all its attendant suffering and humiliation. But sometimes that common sense and willpower will elude me. So what I do have to stay vigilant at and what I do need to remind myself 16 times a day is that I need a spiritual experience. So instead of keeping reminding myself about step one, if I could keep reminding myself about step three, that is uh, more helpful to me. Okay, I'm turning my will and my life over to the care of God. God, save me from being angry. God, help me do your will. Serenity prayer, all those things. And if I'm vigilant about that, then... God takes care of the food problem. So if I'm looking to be for common sense and willpower in my life, so common sense and willpower is I need God. I need a higher power. And then the very last sentence of what we read today, the experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. I think it's important for us to have stories that we can share with each other. I have experiences where Once I take the first bite, I get to suffering and humiliation, and I can't stop. Um, And so I have examples of that. For example, one is I was in a binge, and I just want—I was driving to drive-through, drive-through, and I really just decided I wanted to go home. I didn't want to go to another drive-through, 
And I was just miserable. And I heard this whiny voice in my head, I just want to go home. And my car turned in to the next drive-thru. And I couldn't get home. Even though I wanted to get home, I needed more food. So it was like me watching from 100 feet up, my car turn into the drive-thru, me ordering, me eating, and wanting to go home and being so miserable and wanting to go home but not being able to get there because something had happened to me in a bodily and mentally sense where I just had no control over how much I was going to eat. The food was in control. I was being led around by the food, not with my common sense and willpower. The food was in charge. And that doesn't happen to a normal normal person. That only happens to food addicts. You know, Um, I thought it said, you know, my life was I, my life was being run by a cookie, and um, in that case, in my day, my life was being run around by fast food, and being run by fast food, and I need my life to be run by a higher power, not that lower power food. So, with thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Karen T. Reggie O. Hey, good morning, Sylvia. Thanks for your service. <clears throat> this is Reggie O, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And, uh, boy, these were really powerful paragraphs for me this morning. And, uh, you know, the, I want to start by saying that, you know, that the one thing that I'm grateful to, to know is that I have a physical allergy <clears throat> and that I have a mental obsession and how that works together and that I can't really work, I can't really, I can't really, uh, have the spirit, the mental obsession removed until I am removed from everything that creates the allergy in my body, that craving. Now, having said that, <clears throat> and I need a spiritual experience in these steps to do that. I've learned that. It's been proved to, proven to me. And and having said that, um, there, my, my course and my experience over time in Overeaters Anonymous since I first woke up and thought, oh, my God, I'm an alcoholic with food, uh, it's been amazing because I have eaten things that I can't eat today. I can eat things today that I haven't been able to eat before. I have eaten things that other people can't eat. Other people have eaten things that I can't eat. Sometimes this works and sometimes that works, you know. So it's and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, if I tried to figure that out, why I would <laughs> I would be pretty I would be really pretty crazy, you know. And the other part of that was I I actually taught uh, clinical practice with addictive disorders for ten years in a graduate school of clinical social work. And I understood it. I studied brain research, behavior, motivation. I sent, you know, the students to a 12-step program so they would get an experience of what that was like. We read from the big book and various other things. And I, I learned a lot about addiction. I don't, but I don't know that I really learned. I don't know that I learned or was able to teach anything about the real alcoholic or the real compulsive overeater because none because ultimately uh it is a riddle ultimately it is a puzzle you know and and in my own history i have an uncle who two uncles they were one was a gutter alcoholic once one was a severe alcoholic until they were 50 and 60 years old one woke up one morning and quit uh smoking two packs of cigarettes a day and two quarts of alcohol never went back another one in his 60s the gutter alcoholic he uh, one day he woke up, stopped smoking, stopped drinking, died two years later of lung cancer, but peacefully. So, you know, there is, <clears throat> there is no, <laughs> in, my, in my book, in my experience, uh, there's no rhyme or reason for this. But one thing that I do know is that the spiritual experience 
and these steps work for me when I'm willing to work them. And they, you know, and, and what that does, I feel so fortunate this morning, you know, reading this and so grateful that when I'm working this program and I turn my will and my life over <clears throat> to the care of a power greater than myself, that the load of life is lifted from my back. When, when, I, when I just get to do what Reggie is here to do and I still learn what that is and I'm still learning, you know, and it, I guess learning, experiencing what it is from my higher power, you know, like the way that I work together with my higher power, it's, glorious, it's a glorious thing, you know, because I, I tried to run the world and I tried to do, to do God's work because I thought it was mine for the longest period of time. But the thing is, you know, it's not. And when I can, when I can, when I can separate those two, you know, and do mine and listen and bring this message, uh, boy, it really is. I just say it again. It's like the load of the world is lifted from my back. And um, for that, I'm really grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Reggie O. So I'm going to take another list. I just want to remind people that we're on page 22, uh, second paragraph, and we've read for three paragraphs. And who would like to share Kathleen O. Kathleen O. And uh, if you're not sharing or trying to get on the line, please mute. It's the line is very loud. Okay. Who else? Sophie S. I'm sorry, I didn't get your name. Sophie. Sophie. Oh, Sophie S. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. Jerry KB. Jerry KB. Anyone else? I'll put myself down at the end. Okay, let's go. Kathleen O, Sophie S, Jody EQ, Sherry KB, and if we have time, Sylvia. Go ahead, Kathleen. Kathleen, star one. Good morning, thank you. I thought I was unmuted. Kathleen O, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. And, you know, the riddle for me was, why do all the diets I go on, or I had gone on in the past, and I'd been on dozens of them, why did they work, but then I get fat again? And as any real compulsive overeater can tell you, Diets do work. I mean, I have a lot of willpower, and I've got common sense, too. So, okay, I go on this diet, I lose weight. It worked. But as a real compulsive overeater, what I learned was I couldn't stay stopped. And I couldn't stay stopped because not only do certain foods trigger me to eat more, but I have this obsession of the mind. And, you know, I like to say that Many of us come in here with some have 20 pounds to lose, some have 200 pounds to lose, but most of us have about 400 pounds between the ears. And that is the bunny, the baffling and cunning part of all of this is, you know, what what is it that that I have to pick up again? And what what causes that built-in forgetter that I seem to have that other people don't have of, oh, I can do this now, or, oh, you know, this is going to work. You know, diets work, yes, but then they don't work because the weight always comes back on. 
So to come into 12-step and find that I just needed to have a power greater than myself and work these steps to the best of my ability and to work them every day and not forget to do it every day because if I don't do it for a day, that built-in forgetter starts getting a little strong in my head and starts lying to me and talking to me. And so if I stay connected with my higher power, do service, work these steps, it is amazing that that little voice in there shuts up. I don't know where it goes, but it shuts up. Thank you, God. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Sophie S. And then Jody EQ. Uh, hi, my name is Sophie, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I just wanted to reach out and say thank you. I have been listening for a while, and I, um, I'm just overwhelmed by how much power there is in this particular program and in the Vision for You meetings. And um, I feel amazingly supported, which is bizarre, because phone meetings haven't really been strong for me. Um, and I definitely got a lot out of this paragraph as well. Um, my book is pretty heavily underlined from being in another program. And for some reason, it was always hard for me to compare it to my eating. Um, and I think mainly because I have been in denial for a long time about really how serious it is and how kind of sick I am. And um, I you know, it, it is it's very tempting to try and figure out the why. And I think a lot of years in therapy were wasted trying to figure out the why. And um, I now I kind of feel like I can't stay stopped because I have the mental obsession that leads me back to the first bite again, you know, that tells me I'm okay. And this time it's going to be different. And um, my sponsor has talked to me that, you know, if I don't have that spiritual solution, the mental obsession will drive me right back to, to eating. So um, anyway, I just, I just basically wanted to express gratitude. I feel um, amazingly lucky to have this solution. I don't love having this problem, but um, you know, it's, it's a gift and the network of, of people here, I feel like I'm surrounded with little angels. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Sophia. Jody EQ. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California. So this is um, talking about the fact that we have both a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And I think that's basically what it comes down to, as we have said many times. If we have this physical allergy of the body, some types of foods will trigger us to want more and more and more. And we also have this mental obsession that once, even if we're clean and abstinent for years, if we are not in fit spiritual condition, the mental obsession will come back and we will pick up again. And we are a real a compulsive overeater. That is the definition of a real compulsive overeater. However, how much we weigh, what we look like, whether we gain a lot of weight or we don't, is irrelevant. What matters is that we have this twofold illness. And I just realized that for myself yesterday, after yesterday's meeting. That's what makes a real compulsive overeater. 
that he or she has this twofold illness. And yes, it takes many guises, it takes many forms, but this is the, the definition. I have the physical allergy of the body coupled with the obsession of the mind. And what I need is a spiritual solution. I feel separate from my higher power. I'm relying on myself. I'm full of fear. Life is a, is a terrifying experience. It's a weight on my shoulders, as Reggie said. When I have this spiritual psychic change, I'm no longer at the center of the universe. I get to relax and take it easy. I get to turn my will in my life over to the care of God and ask for direction, receive the direction, and then do my higher power's will obediently. I never knew that giving up my will would be the path to joy and freedom. But now I do know, and I get to follow that path. And what a relief it is. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jody EQ. Sherry KB? Sherry, star one. Um, <clears throat> good morning. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. Good morning, Sylvia. Thank you for your service. I'm trying to get my timer, sorry. Um, you know, I've been listening to everybody and, um, you know, I, I remember hearing a visionary uh, read one time. I was talking to her on the phone and she was telling me to put this with my name in it uh, to help me to understand this better. And what comes up for me is perhaps I will never be able, able to fully answer the questions. Um, the opinions vary as to why I, as a compulsive overeater, react differently from normal eaters. Um, the why of it gets me into so much trouble. Um, it's more like when for me. It's like my my disease wants me to ask why and um, keep asking why because it keeps me out of the solution. But I need to know my I need to know when. Um, when am I going to put the food down? My alcoholic foods. When am I going to get into this book? I have a mental obsession and a physical allergy. And I might as well, somebody told me once, I might as well take a, 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 get on a chair, stand on it, bend over, and bow to my refrigerator because that's been my higher power. And, um, you know, I don't like that picture at all. Um, but if I keep doing this, this is what I'm going to keep getting because if I stay in the why and um, – I'm I'm going to just drive myself crazy. So I need to get in this book. I don't need to solve the riddle. Um, I it's telling me it's virtually impossible for me to stop if once I'm I pick up my alcoholic foods. I have a mental obsession and a physical allergy of the body, and until I put the food down and I get into the book and I start working the steps, that's what's going to keep me. Um, out of the food and out of my mental obsession. It's not just putting the food down. I have to take care of that mental obsession every day, and that means for me to turn my will and my life over to my higher power 
and I was actually at a retreat over the weekend, and this is what I heard that I love so much, that, you know, I give my higher power my will, and my, my higher power gives me the power. Um, if I think I can control my eating, stand in front of the ocean, look at the waves, and see if you can control the waves, because that's how about how I can control how I eat. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Who else would like to share? I'm taking a list. Me, me, me. Rocky Eye in Arizona. <laughs> Rocky Eye, gotcha. Anyone else? Amanda. Amanda. Okay, let's go with Rocky Eye. Amanda, I might slip in there. We'll see what we've got. Rocky? All right, thank you. Good morning. This is Rocky I in Tempe, Arizona. I recovered. <sighs> Thanks for one more day. Um, uh, I like this paragraph. Well, again, I like the whole thing, but this paragraph of the why, oh, how many years I spent it in the why and the why and the why um, until I came to recovery and worked my steps and um, learn to use the program on a daily basis, day by day, hour by hour. And I figure out that, um, well, once it's, it's a, a physical aspect that I am powerless to correct, so that's the allergy. And I, and the, the obsession of the mind and or the craziness. And so um, by grace and that's the power of the big book. I have learned that I have a, a body condition that I cannot change and that I have a mental condition and that is changeable and it has changed today. It is by conviction and conversion and I don't want to sound, I don't know, like too churchy, but that's really what has happened. Like I am convinced that the food is detrimental, like I have gotten broken feet, torn meniscus, I have a lap band, I have high sugar, high blood pressure, like I got enough evidence and by grace today I accepted that the food is detrimental and so I am convinced that um, that the food is not the solution anymore and it is by conversion to my higher power um, I turn, you know, my higher power was the food. Uh, I used food when I was happy, when I was sad, like forever. It was my coping mechanism. And the big book has taught me that um, the opposite, you know, has taught me that there is a higher power that can do it. And I didn't understand it, but I trusted it because my keen intellectual mind wanted to get in the middle but I was really so defeated that I became humble and teachable. And, um, and it's not to prize myself, but it's, that's really what happened. If it was, And somebody tells me, if it's still fun, you ain't done. And so I really came to the end of my rope, and I really embraced um, this program. And I am uh, uh, walking miracle that it works. I thought it was not going to work with me because so many diets had not, but long and behold, uh, the big book works. So today, um, sometimes I think, oh, you know, the thoughts 
come, but today I don't act out on them. Um, I'm able to say, shh, quiet. No, that is not, you know, that's not the solution. Get out your, your little, your little notebook and work your 10 step and turn around and confess and, you know, work it, work it, work it. So anyway, just, uh, I'm starting to ramble, just very thankful for this and the opportunity of this meeting. And I love you all. So have a great day. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rocky. Amanda. Hi, this is Amanda. I'm Amanda B. from Toronto, Canada, compulsive reader, recovering by the grace of God. Um, I'm in Jamaica right now at an all-inclusive, and I can only tell a whole group of compulsive readers that um, it's actually hard to relax. And the more I tell my obsessional mind, relax, 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 the more I, uh, I can't. And I'm so grateful to be on this meeting because I found myself saying, why, God, why can't I relax? Why you know, why do I want to undereat and overeat? And I've been working the program at what's going on. And the why is just totally useless. And I, somebody said it was so lovely. Just, God, please help me do your will. And as soon as I do, I ask for God's will, a power greater than myself, not asking myself a power greater than myself, I react sanely and normally, and it happens automatically. And I can be present in my life. And I feel so grateful to have a place that I don't feel ashamed to say that it's hard to relax um, at an all-inclusive. I, I, I just I feel grateful that I can share with strangers from across the world, and that you know I'm not having anyone judge me saying you're on a meeting on a vacation. It doesn't matter to me because this is what saves me and restores me to sanity. That for me, step two is all around me. There's so many things that can restore me to sanity. And I need that connection with my higher power and the steps to restore me to sanity. And this is one of those ways. And I feel so, like, I just, I can't explain how grateful I feel to be restored to sanity because I was on my vacation here. I have two kids under two, hoping I'm going to relax and uh, feeling like a dry drunk. Like, the food wasn't calling to me, but somebody talked about the weight in between my ears. And holy crap, it was big. So I just feel so grateful that you guys are helping, um, not helping me, you guys are God's will to restore me to sanity. So um, thank you, everybody, for being here, and uh, and uh, thanks for the mute button. That way, if anyone is judging me, I can let that go. <laughs> I, I love you all. Have a great day. Thank you, Amanda. And um, I'm going to slip in here. This is Sylvia F. from Northern California, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, great meeting, as always. And I guess what I wanted to talk about is the line, once a certain point is reached, once a certain point is reached. And, you know, we get, I guess that I thought that once I got recovered, you know, early on, I thought, you know, it would just be magical and it would be easy. And um, I could just work this program and I would never be challenged by food or by my thinking again. And you know that's not that's not my experience because uh, I can still have that feeling about why do I want to take that one drink? It does happen. You know I'm recovered, and um, yesterday uh, I'm I'm on a several deadlines. I'm overcommitted to all things I want to do, but it doesn't matter because there's a lack of balance right now. 
And uh, I had to sit down and do something, and I wasn't comfortable doing the project. It's within my capability, but it, it it's it's a stretch for me to do this thing. And um, and all of a sudden, my thought was, you know, you know, maybe if I had something on the desk to eat. Old habit. It was an old habit of if I had a project I didn't want to do. And I would rather procrastinate. The only way that I could do that project was to sit down and eat my way through it, and then I could make my deadline. And all of a sudden, that thing popped up again. And um, and so, I guess I would. I just want to say that uh, the great thing about it, if I want to be grateful, is I'm reminded that it's you know, it. I'm not hallucinating. I am a compulsive overeater, and I'm still going to have those thoughts and. The, the other thing I want to say is that um, I, I, there's this, this thing going around the Internet about basically maybe there's no such thing as addiction uh, because the war vets came home and they were when they got back with their family, they were loved and, and um, they could put down heroin and they could put all these things in. It's, it's a lovely story. And I can relate to what they're feeling, but the love was within. You know, it's, I came in with the hole in the soul. And so what the program does is heals me. So, yeah, I, I can agree that it's love, but it's, it's not the love by family. It's not going to be an external love that's ever going to solve this thing and that I am a compulsive overeater and that there is a solution and it's by following these steps and working this program and that I don't get a reprieve. I don't get to say, I oh, don't feel like doing it today because it'll pop up again. And I don't live in fear. I just know that I have this thing and I'm great. I'm so happy to be here with you because you know that you have it too. And with that, I share and that ends our, our sharing in our meeting today. And please stay on the line. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And then we are going to greet people afterwards. So uh, we'll, let me see. Uh, will uh, Camille G. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Camille, start one. If Camille's not there, Karen T., can you step up? Sure, this is Karen T. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you, Karen. Page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.